Welcome to Faked, an original podcast highlighting the underground world of counterfeit illegal items around the world and how to spot them. Whether you're traveling the world or buying online, Faked will be your guide. With your host, Joseph Rowan, you'll explore the many ways counterfeiters can pull off disguising everyday consumer items as the genuine good. 44, 55, 66, hike! No, this isn't a football episode. You undoubtedly already saw the title. This is a climbing episode. We are going to be diving into the world of counterfeited climbing gear. So strap in, hopefully with certified equipment, sit back, and this could very well save your life one day. So, dramatics aside... We're going to go over the history and just kind of get well-versed over climbing in general. I think um, that's going to allow us to look over the faked items better, just by understanding it better. So we're going to jump in types of climbing. There are number, there are a number of ways to protect a climb varying according to the, to the type of climbing. So First off, lead climbing. A lead climber places protection, temporary or permanent anchors, in the rock, snow, or ice, establishing a climbing route. The route or the rope is clipped through carabiners, which uh, we will reference later, often joined by a short length of webbing into a pair known as a quick draw, which are in turn connected to the protection. The belayer pays out rope during the ascent and manually arrests the climber's fall by locking the rope, typically with some form of belay device. So that's like a very common uh, way of climbing. You've seen this many times. You may have done it yourself. Um, They have some indoor rock climbing laws, which are rocks, rock claiming structures inside that you can do, and and I believe they do the lead climbing uh, way. So next up is aid climbing. Aid climbing involves standing on or pulling oneself up, up via devices attached to fixed or placed protection to make upward progress. So it's like a checkpoint based thing and, and it's a safe way of doing it in contrast to free climbing protection, which can sustain the force of sometimes long falls. Some aid protection is only designed to hold one's body weight. So Keep that in mind next time you're aid climbing. Top roping, this is the third type of climbing. Top roping involves either placing an anchor at the top of a route before climbing or utilizing a fixed one, then running a rope through it to a belayer on the ground. Unlike in lead climbing, the belayer takes in rope as the climber advances and slack is practically eliminated from the rope, minimizing both the drop and shock load on the rope and protection system should uh, the climber fall down. So, um, that one, I know it's hard to paint a picture of it. So if you want to look up type or top roping, I would say, check it out, see what's up. Um, I, there's a lot of visuals online. Plenty of people do it. Plenty of people record it. So next up is soloing. Um, solo climbing involves climbing without a partner. So this is, um, one of the more dangerous ones. Soloing can be done with or without protection. A solo climber may place protection and clip in with a short tether for safety during a difficult move, then remove the protection and then continue the ascent. Or they may employ some sort of self-locking device, such as a silent partner in lieu of a belayer, allowing a soloist to climb without a partner. Additionally, soloing can also be done using a top rope. So 
As, uh, as you can tell, that one's, you know, a little more dangerous. Bouldering involves climbing routes low to the ground without rope. So the chief form of protection from injury used in a bouldering mat, a padded foam kind of cell mat placed on the ground below the climber. In bouldering, in bouldering, one can also utilize a spotter. A spotter is someone who stands near the bouldering mat and then guides the climber to the mat in the event of a fall. So that one is, uh, it's free climbing, but then you've got, you know, pretty... Pretty decent, uh, you know, parachute at the end. You've got a a mat to fall on. So those are the main types of climbing. So they're they're the ones that you primarily are going to be using items to protect yourself. And that is where we jump into the fact of counterfeited items that you, I mean, if you're scaling a huge, you know, rock or the side of a dang mountain, you're going to want to have faith in the product that is holding you up, especially since these are, you know, very small items that you buy for like five to $10 in some cases. So you're going to want to spend that extra money because it's your life. Uh, and you know, it just takes one faulty carabiner, one, uh, really frayed rope or weak rope to push you over the edge. Pretty nuts. So next up, we're going to be jumping into some of the gear that you're going to be using to protect those climbs. Um, I'm going to probably get some of these wrong. Some kind of have uh, <laughs> some interesting spellings, but we're going to get through this together. Okay. This is a, let me be uh, the aid climb. You're going to aid climb these words with me to uh, kind of reference what we talked about before. So the gear used to protect climbs includes slings. Uh, they're loops of nylon wedding, also called tape, I think you've heard of that, uh, cord, dynema, or rope. They can be tied around natural features such as rock spikes or trees, threaded through natural holes in the rock, uh, round natural chalk stones, which you could be looking that up as well, um, because I'm not even sure what that is, or through artificial anchors such as metal hangers, chains, or rings, also known as runners. They are used to temporarily attach a climber's harness directly to the anchor. They can also be used to extend other pieces of protection to avoid compromise due to rope drag. So slings, okay, that's important. We're going to be talking about that. Nuts, chocks, or simple cams are metal devices placed in constrictions and cracks and attached to carabiners with wire or nylon slings. So nuts, chocks, or simple cams. And then also the word carabiner came up. So carabiners we're going to be talking about heavily. That's a very important point of access for a climber. Next up is tri-cams. It's a, a nut slash cam hybrid that can be placed as a nut or as a passive camming device. Next up is a spring-loaded camming device, so SLCDs use multiple cams in opposition, which expand in a crack as the device is weighted. Uh, These can be placed even in parallel or outward flaring cracks. So next up are bolts, Uh, familiar with these? Bolts are anchor features and holes uh, drilled in the rock and clipped by a climber with a carabiner. They are placed both by climbers, put up new routes, particularly in aid climbing, and as permanent fixtures on popular routes to reduce wear on rock features. Um, people will do these and agree on them, and that's just to make sure you're not just 
putting holes on holes on holes in the rocks because you're actually ruining the structural integrity of that rock. And then if it's a popular climbing spot, I think you're going to become a very unpopular person um, if you're just drilling, drilling, drilling and putting these bolts in. So it's kind of the reasoning behind that, which, you know, it's great. These people are climbing in nature. They care about nature. They want uh, to continue their passion. So pitons are metal spikes hammered or hand placed in thin cracks and clipped through an eye in the piton to a carabiner. So pitons. Sky hooks are talon shaped hooks placed over very small ledges and flakes and secured to a carabiner. Usually found in aid climbing, they're occasionally utilized in free climbing as extremely marginal protection. So fixed protection usually consists of permanently anchored bolts fitted with a hanger, a chain, and ring, or pitons left in kind of a situation or a situ. So um, guys, that is that is the gear and that is the climbing, the types of climbing for this. A lot of these things I was not super familiar on. Um, I have spoken with people about um, all the numerous, I mean, there's so much to go into climbing and rightfully so because it is very dangerous. Uh, you can't go into this unknowledgeable. Um, you are only as good as your weakest, uh, you know, part of your situation here. So if you have a terrible carabiner, that's what everything, uh, relies on, you know, it's the weakest link of that chain. So it's important to do your research. Um, and then just understanding, um, the certifications and the standard for a lot of these climbing gear things. So we're going to jump into commercial here. Um, I know this stuff's kind of dry to start with, but I just want some of the terminology to be out there, uh, in case something comes up and I don't want to, ha- I don't want you to have to stop it, look it up because maybe it's something we've already discussed, uh, some of the definitions and things like that. So let's cut to commercial. We'll come back and we will talk about some of the examples of some of these faked items, uh, where you can find them and when they started and uh, just a plethora of things we can look through to, uh, to save your life next time you are, you know, climbing up a mountain. So see you guys in a bit. All right, we're going to go over some interesting climbing facts here. So in 2018, porters who worked on Mount Everest brought down 14 tons of human excrement. That's disgusting. So a study has also shown that rock climbing is as good for cardio as running 8 to 11 minutes per mile. So that's good stuff. Climbing can help a child's development by improving motor skills, balance, and coordination while building social relationships. Next up, bouldering becomes highballing after 15 feet, approximately 4.5 meters. So highballing then becomes free soloing after 40 feet. So there's a, a tiered system here. Yosemite Valley is home to the highest free solo climbing wall face called El Capitan. El Cap is what they call it. And it's one of the most feared mountains to free solo climb and is a near vertical rock face, 900 meters high. Crazy stuff. Welcome back. We are going to start off the second part with actually a a really interesting publication I found. Um, It's by Gear Guy Rock and Ice Publication. 
So this whole thing is referencing uh, fake carabiners or even toy carabiners that have been masqueraded as real carabiners, which you can see the, uh, the issue there. Um, a lot of these come with photos, but um, I'm just going to be verbatim reading this so you get the gist of it. But um, that is Gear Guy, Rock and Ice publication. I'd love for you to check it out just to see the accompany me uh, stuff. I will put the um, reference guide on our Facebook. So the Amazing Gear Carabiners, $8.99 for two, you see on that website named after a lengthy South American river, could almost have been separated at birth from real wire gate climbing carabiners. A climber mistaking one of these toy slash accessory carabiners for the real deal would be an, an awakening as rude as that of a skydiver who pulled a ripcord and deployed a bedsheet. But as an actual climber, you'd have to spend serious time vacantly staring at your navel to mistake the cheaply made accessory binders for the real. As far as I know, no one has mixed up the two yet. This could be because our sense of self-preservation still trumps or because, as you noted, um, they were referencing a instance in somebody uh, looking like on a toy website and saying, wow, these look really close. Do you think anybody has, um, you know, mistaking these as the real thing? So just kind of a side thing there. As you noted, the fake snap links are pitched for household uses. In the voluptuous text in the product description, you do find a not suitable for climbing notice, although this feels like an afterthought, like when the used car dealer yells, hey, keep her under 55 as you drive off the lot. I was disturbed to find on the same website the rock climbing rope, plugged for mountain climbing and rock climbing, and featured steel carabiners clipped through sewn loops in each rope end. To show off the rope's proposed use and accompany me, photo has a woman hanging on an exposed cliff. Zoom in on that particular photo and you notice that she is using a completely different rope, a real climbing hope or cord, I hope. Despite being sold as rock climbing rope, this thing isn't CE or UIAA certified for climbing and has a polypropylene core, so it's not even a dynamic rope. Whoever built the online sales page obviously knows zilch about climbing. This gets me to my point. In our new era of cyber shopping, where the lowest common denominator, price, is usually all we care about, we've left out the experts. The floor staff at the brick and mortars and, and at the specialized online climbing gear retailers, the folks who actually use the products they sell, want real carabiners and real climbing ropes. Buy them from real climbers. So... That's, I, I thought that did a really good job at summing up. Since I myself am not a rock climber, I wanted to um, include the narrative of somebody who really knows the grit of rock climbing and all of the nuances and things like that. So um, it, it's becoming you know more common to shop online and the convenience, range of choice, and usually the better prices is the driving factor of that. So... There's a lot of nasty surprises that could, can, you know, that could come with that. So we're going to go over some of the uh, verification processes and the certification processes that a lot of these ropes and climbing materials can go under in order to be uh, certified and be trusted by the general public. Uh, those that do understand these certifications, 
usually are not going to be uh, held at point by some of these less than reputable websites and online shopping areas. So is your product certified? Okay, it's recommended to only buy products which conform to the relevant CEN or UIAA standard, which is usually mentioned in the product description. The product will also be marked and have instructions attached, which include the details of any certification. So if you're not aware what those, what seemingly looks just like ambiguous letters thrown together, you could look up the certification itself and usually they'll include that because they got nothing to hide. So what is a non-certified product? Currently, the internet is awash with non-certified products. These are any kind of product that fail to meet the certification or standards, which would apply if they were sold, uh, you know, in the U.S. or the U.K. The product might actually work and may even be of reasonable quality, but the buyer has no way of knowing this. In the past, such products were often unbranded. But the modern trend is for them to have a brand name of some sort. We've seen examples of items including ropes, harnesses, and helmets. So they do get branded now. Um, However, they're super, just again, like a name of a river, just something, you know, they throw out there. So one buyer received an unpleasant shock, which could have ended up being fatal. So the crampons uh, they'd recently bought simply folded up without climbing, becoming useless and dangerous. They were fortunate not to have to call out the mountain rescue team or worse. Unfortunately, it's almost impossible to shut this type of trader down. If their online store closed down, they'd simply spring up another one under a different name. So that's one of the the issues you run into. So following the patterns of these keeps you safe and secure because once one does shut down, you know, it's like Hydro 2 come up out underneath that. So... The, the rope was found online for sale as a climbing rope, uncertified and claiming a 3KN breaking load. That's about the same strength as a certified 4mm accessory cord, assuming the claim is true, of which there is no guarantee. So, you know, you've got to look up these certified products. Uh, non-certified products, you're really running a gamble on that one. Uh, there's really not anybody, anybody who's creating a reputable business business with a reputable product, they're going to get these things certified. It's not worth the risk. Um, and it's also not worth the loss of sales because anybody who's going to be purchasing these are going to want certifications behind them or else they, you know, will be proved to be completely useless, useless and your life is at stake. So secondhand products, this is another example of something people, you know, end up getting. So Unlike our previous examples, secondhand sales are usually made by individuals rather than a business. So most items are sold in pretty good faith, but the buyer must take into account the risks in buying critical safety equipment from a stranger. You take a risk buying items with an unknown history, and there also is a possibility that the goods may have been stolen, so there's also that as well. If buying secondhand, it's best to stick to buying unused items still in their packaging. The next least risky are items which can be readily checked for their safety. If you know what you're doing, that is, such as carabiners, it's much trickier to check textile items, which can be affected more by aging and storage conditions. So it's best to avoid these completely. Secondhand products, um, I would always recommend buying new. If you're getting into something, you want to be proud of it. You want to, and I know, you know, uh, money may be tied around uh, some households, but you know, your health, I think, is pretty uh, pretty important. So 
guys, that is it. Um, I wanted to cover most of the, uh, the necessities here. Uh, and I think we did, I think we did a pretty good job at that. And any other questions about this, you're welcome to, um, you know, message me on Facebook at, uh, F A K D podcast. So that's going to be all available on our Facebook. So make sure to stay tuned in on that and be awaiting our next episode. So remember, guys, with faked items, there are those who produce them, those who purchase them, and those that listen to this podcast. I'll see you guys in the next episode.